1: In this episode of Idea City on the air, Andrew Keane speaks about the failures of the digital revolution. Now, let's join Moses as he introduces Andrew to the stage.
0: I like very much what. Uh... Andrew Keene has to say to his 16 year old self, if you haven't already come across it, he says, in the end, you only remember the girls and the cup finals. (laughs) Puts everything into perspective. Andrew, your turn now. Thanks for coming. Yeah, and unfortunately, there haven't been enough of each. So. and I'm from California. I don't always sound as if I'm from California. And of course, there, you Canadians, I assume most of you, have a reputation for reticence, for being shy, underspoken. So, this is your opportunity to disprove cultural stereotypes. Stand up. Everyone, stand up. Come on. And let's do it. Let's do network. I'm as mad as hell. Come on. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Higher, come on. More, one more time, really loud. That's enough of that. Sit down, come on. We're not really on the internet. Well, certainly, all cultural stereotypes of Canadians have been crushed. You should all come and live in California. <laughs> we'll come to Canada. That movie, of course, is interesting. It's called The Network, and my new book actually was originally called The Network, then it was called Epic Fail, <laughs> which the publishers weren't so crazy about, and then it became The Internet is Not the Answer. But that great movie, that great moment, Peter Finch, perhaps one of the the classic moments in Hollywood, it was of course filmed in the 1970s. And it reflected the top-down nature of media. You had newscasters, guys like Finch, brands. You had a technology which only enabled broadcast from the top downwards. So you had an audience and you had an author. You had a raised stage like this. You had a quiet audience rather than the noisy one you just manifested. Today, of course, and one of the most reassuring natures, I guess, of that watching that clip just now, was the shared anger when people went to their windows. They all stood outside and they said, we're as mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. You've got a sense of community. People connecting, the atomization, the classic alienation of what at least in the 1970s seemed to be late capitalism. That's one of those phrases. Capitalism always seems to be late. It's rather like the Brazilian economy. Always in the future. Coming up after the break. And of course, one of the ironic things about the internet and the digital revolution is it simultaneously destroys two things. The problem with the internet is it doesn't know how to remember and it doesn't know how to forget.
1: This episode of Idea City on the Air is brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Andrew Keene. For more information about Idea City or to watch hundreds of talks online, go to ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening
0: to Andrew Keane. Speak about the failures of the digital revolution. Today, of course, and Nick, as always, articulated this brilliantly when we're as mad as hell, we're not watching top down television. We're on the internet, we're staring at screens. 10 or 15 years ago, we would have been staring at desktops. 10, 5 years ago, we would have been staring at laptops. Today, we're staring at these mobile devices. In five or 10 years' time, we'll be looking at our watches, or what were once called watches and now called something else. Perhaps in 20 years' time, the technology will be inside us. It will be part of our brain. I think Nick's work is incredibly important in this area. The anger is a reflection of our digital network, our digital society, the network. Although, of course, that anger is perhaps human. I strongly disagree with the first two speakers, and indeed, in some ways, the first speakers this morning. I think Nick is right. Perhaps it's intuitive for humans to worry, not necessarily to be pessimistic, and certainly not to be dystopian, but to worry. We should worry. And anyone who tells you that we shouldn't worry isn't being human. Anyone who tells you that we shouldn't worry is probably a robot. (laughs) And they, of course, have good reason for us not to worry. The network. The network is the thing that is changing everything. And I'm guessing from that anger you all experienced that what you're angry about, and we're all angry about the same things at the early part of the 21st century, you're angry about the growing inequality. You're angry about what seem to be weaker and weaker social bonds. You're angry about the insecurity you feel amongst your peers, your children, and perhaps even your jobs, whether you're lawyers or doctors, let alone cab drivers or people who work in shops. You're angry because there's no certainty to work in this increasingly insecure world. You're angry because the firm you've worked for for 30 years just laid you off. You're angry because you're worried about privacy. You're worried about an increasingly surveillance society where there is somebody, the government, private companies, which are watching us all the time. Above all else, you're worried, you're angry about your humanness. What is it? Where is it going? Who's undermining it? We feel powerless. Now, the digital revolution, for those of you with a memory, and of course, one of the ironic things about the Im- internet and the digital revolution is it simultaneously destroys two things, memory and forgetting. The problem with the internet is it doesn't know how to remember and it doesn't know how to forget. It's almost as if we were in a Kafkaesque novel. Perhaps that's another reason why you're all so angry. <laughs> the internet was supposed to solve all those things. Back. When the architects, the pioneers, the idealists built this thing, this network, this digital world, which is increasingly dominating our world, it's important to remember that the digital is not a a peripheral issue. It's not a side issue. It's not something that we can relegate to the corner of the room. Technology and digital is the heart of the matter. Nick articulated that brilliantly. Last week, I was in D.C. doing one of my Futurecast events. I interviewed Steve Case, the founder of AOL and the original CEO, the brilliant businessman, of course, who who, who convinced Time Warner um, that AOL should buy them. Back in the 90s, back in one of the more surreal episodes in Silicon Valley history. Today, that surreal nature is reflected in Uber's $50 billion valuation. Coming up after the break. The best, or perhaps the worst, is yet to come. This third phase, which we're about to experience, is one in which the digital revolution changes every industry, from medical to education to government to transportation. Everything is going to be changed by the digital.
1: This episode of Idea City on the air is brought to you by Zoomer magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Andrew Keene. Idea City is a program of talks about the world's biggest ideas, featuring the world's smartest people. For more information about the three day Idea City live conference, or to watch hundreds of talks online, go to ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Andrew Keane speak about the failures of the digital revolution.
0: What Case said is that the Internet has three, or the digital revolution, has three periods, three phases. The first phase of AOL, the foundation companies, the Netscapes. The second phase, the so-called Web 2.0 period, the dominant platforms of Facebook and Google and Twitter. Both those phases are media phases. But what Case said is the best, or perhaps the worst, is yet to come. This third phase, which we're about to experience, is one in which the digital revolution changes every industry, from medical to education to government to transportation. Everything is going to be changed by the digital. So this digital revolution is all important, and the founders, the pioneers, the visionaries, the idealists who created this thing, this great revolution, this digital transformation, which in historical terms is equivalent in its importance, in its shaping of consciousness and our economy to the 19th century industrial revolution. They all believed that it would make the world a better place. They were all the human 3.0 types. They were the ones who say this would be a 2.0 or a 3.0 or whatever other metric you want to use, that this would reflect the world as a better place, that technology could make us better collectively. The guy who perhaps first thought up the idea of the internet, Vannevar Bush, believed that it would be a cornucopia for creative people because writers and thinkers and photographers could distribute and sell their products online. J.C.R. Licklider, one of the greatest, the most brilliant and idealistic architects of the Internet, an MIT professor, one of the guys who who funded and founded the idea of the network, he talked about something called the computer-human symbiosis. Tim Berners-Lee, the father of the World Wide Web, a brilliant young English physicist who went to CERN and invented the World Wide Web in 1989, believed that it would sweep away the old boundaries, the old nation-states, make us one world, some collective international community. Do away with that Tower of Babel that has divided us. Create a human unity. Then there were the guys in the 90s, like Kevin Kelly, who said that the digital revolution would create what he called the new rules for the new economy. More equality, more opportunity, more jobs. So that was the promise. We've almost had 50 years of computer-to-computer communication. The first time that happened, of course, was in 1969 at UCLA. We've just celebrated the 25th anniversary of the World Wide Web. The digital is changing everything. But it's not too early now to make a call on when those promises have been realized. And the problem is twofold. Firstly, These promises have not been realized. We don't live in a more equal world. We live in a world where we, as Nick has so brilliantly articulated, both today and in his work, where we stare at our screens and we are perpetually distracted. It's undermined conscious thought. It's stopped us reading, which doesn't really matter in a sense anyway, because the digital economy has destroyed the creative industry anyway. So writers can't make a living whether or not people write because everyone's stealing everything online. It's contributing to inequality, to unemployment, to surveillance. The important thing to bear in mind is that the things you are angry about when you stood up and you said you're not going to take it anymore, your fear of your jobs and your children's jobs, Your worry about the decimation of the middle class. Your fear of Big Brother, whether it's Google or the government or the NSA or someone else snooping over your shoulder, looking at your devices, knowing what you're thinking, buying, wearing, unfortunately, sometimes not wearing. All that is part of the failure of the digital revolution. It's why I titled eventually my book not epic fail but why the internet is not the answer the question of course is what should the operate and I use this phrase carefully what should the operating system be for our networked digital 21st century and at the moment that operating system isn't working it's not creating the solutions to our age-old problems. It's actually compounding those problems. Coming up after the break. We're shifting our power as human beings from ourselves to these increasingly faceless, exploitative big data companies.
1: You're listening to Idea City on the Air, brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Andrew Keene. Get the latest Idealist news, presenter information, and watch hundreds of talks at ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the air. We now
0: conclude Andrew Keene's talk on the failures of the digital revolution. When you think about inequality, when you think about this enormous wealth that's shifting to Silicon Valley, when you think about in my book I have one one chapter on Kodak, the quintessential industrial company based not far from here in Rochester that employed 150,000 people, the quintessential photography company that went bust a couple of years ago at the moment symbolically the moment when the Kodak moment died in historical terms and in symbolic terms, we have the rise of the Instagram moment. There's nothing wrong with progress. No company lasts forever. We know that we live in a Schumpeterian economy in which you have perpetual creative unrest. I'm not saying that Kodak has a right to exist forever. But in contrast, when Instagram two years ago sold to Facebook for a billion dollars, which at the time seemed a lot of money, today it doesn't, because a year later, Facebook went out and bought WhatsApp for 20 billion. When Facebook bought Instagram, it employed 15 people. Fifteen. One five. How is it that these companies then are not creating jobs and are worth so much money? Because we are all contributing our labor. We are all working for free. And that's part, of course, of the narcissism of our age, the age of distraction that Nick talks about. We live in a world where the old middle class is being decimated and will be decimated even more. We live in a world of increasing economic inequality because today's network technology is creating that inequality. It's shifting the enormous wealth of the old, middle-class, working-class industrial economy to a mechanized, networked economy where everything resides with a tiny group of technologists. Worst of all, it's creating a surveillance economy. Not only is it destroying jobs, undermining the middle class, destroying the creative class, but worst of all, and this is where the Kafkaesque element comes in, We think it's great. Well, we're supposed to think it's great. We're supposed to enjoy these free products. My last book I called before this one, I called Digital Vertigo. We're all participating in a Hitchcock movie where we, the innocents, have been turned into the victims. We are being stitched up as the product because, of course, the reason why Instagram or Google or Facebook is worth so much money It's because we've become the product. They're selling our data. Big data, then, is the nightmare. This is something that we have to worry about. Artificial optimism is a Soviet kind of emotion. We have to be realistic. The digital revolution that has decimated the creative industry, undermined the work, the jobs of a whole generation of creatives, since 1999, for example, with the foundation of Napster, 50% of the recorded music industry in the world has, has disappeared. That revolution of surveillance, of unemployment, of the destruction of the middle, is now spreading to the rest of the economy. It's coming to education. It's coming to health care. It's coming to government. It's already come to transportation. You can see it in the way in which Uber, the ultimately exploitative platform, has undermined the traditional transportation industry and now is investing massively in Carnegie Mellon to develop self-driving cars. What are we going to do in this new networked age? Finch's network of the 70s was indeed in some ways a dystopia. We were dominated by an infantile television. We were angry then, and we had a platform. Today, we have even more of a platform. You can go on Twitter, you can go on Facebook, and you can be really angry, and you can talk about how angry you are. You can even get up in auditoriums like this and shout, I'm as angry as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. But the more that media dominates our existence, the less power we have. Because we, as Nick has indicated, we're shifting our power as human beings from ourselves to these increasingly faceless, exploitative big data companies. That doesn't mean technology is always bad. But in this instance, it's wrecking us, and we need to change it. So stand up again. One more time. Come on. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. One more. Good job. Thank you. That was inspired. What a great idea.
1: Thanks for listening to Idea City on the Air. Catch Moses Neimer's Idea City conference live every June in Toronto, or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at IdeaCity.ca. For more information about Idea City, find us online at IdeaCity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube.com/slash/IdeaCity.